My name is Alan. I think most of you guys know me, I hope. If you guys don't know me, um, I am Stephen's cousin. Um, we have been kind of in relationship with our, with, with our spiritual walks for a long time. Um, Stephen went to Bible college, same years kind of that, that I went to a discipleship kind of training course, Bible college type thing as well. And since have served on a few different churches and plants and stuff like that together. And so being part of Austin Chapel has been really, really cool. Just watching God grow this and grow Stephen and his marriage and then me and my marriage and uh, uh, my wife, Myra. And I've got three boys now. Um, so God's been good. God's done a lot. And uh, yeah, so it's been exciting just to watch what God has done. And utilized me and Stephen in different ways. And I know that, sorry, this tablet's new and I don't really know how to turn it on. I'm not techie, guys. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm trying to be cool and use a surface to do this. So we'll see how that goes. Kind of old school. I like paper, but, you know, got to get with the times. Um, anyways, and so uh, Stephen asked me to teach today or preach or whatever you want to call it. People were asking me, are you preaching this morning? Are you teaching this morning? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm... I'm doing whatever the Spirit leads, amen? Um, <laughs> but we are looking in the series Animal Encounters, and Stephen asked me, he said, hey, um, would you be willing to do one of the lessons in this series? And I said, yeah, that, I mean, that would be actually amazing. I would love to do that. And he tells me, uh, you know, the different options that I have, um, you know, of, of what's in the series or what, what we're looking at. And um, he had one on snakes and then a cool one on she-bears. And then uh, there was one on, what was last week was David and how he conquered the lion and the bear and ultimately got to fight Goliath. And, you know, I'm like, oh, cool. So, like, what am I going to get? You know, something awesome, like, you know, some sort of, like, fierce dragon or, like, I don't know, something cool. And he's like, no, you're going to preach on whales. And I'm like, oh, hey, you get the fat guy to preach on whales. All right. A little alliteration there. So, anyways, that's my little spiel on that. But, um, you know, that's, that's what you're going to hear. Okay. So we get to preach today on whales, and that's an animal encounter that we see. And obviously, the famous encounter that we have with whales is the story of Jonah and the whale, um, which is kind of funny because Stephen has a tattoo of this on his arm. So this is obviously a, a story that hits home for this church. In fact, Stephen did a series, what, six months ago, maybe? Oh, it was a year ago? Sorry, concept of time. We did a series on Jonah and the Whale, and it was actually really, really awesome. I don't, until we had done that series, I personally had never really, like, dove that much into the story because it's just kind of a quick little, you know, it's, it's four chapters and just kind of, you know, a little blip in the Old Testament. But it was really, really cool in that. But in this, um, I really prayed that the Lord would um, kind of prepare, you know, we, we kind of knew how, how we wanted to structure this in the series and how it kind of flows but we wanted the lord to kind of just make it fresh and new into our hearts and so with that i really want to do something i'm a little unorthodox okay i will tell you that right now okay if you don't know me already or haven't hung out with me very much i am a little bit kind of quirky and i really really love people to do real things and i really like people to be honest and sincere and upfront so i'm going to ask you to do something right now and that is to listen because a lot of times we listen, but we're not listening. Does that make sense? 
Church, I'm, 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 I'm being real honest with you. I have sat through so many messages, and very few of them stick in my heart or in my mind. Okay, And I'm sure you guys often find yourself in the same spot. And it's oftentimes not that God's word is not being preached. It's that we are not listening. Okay? That's why Jesus so many times he would say, right? You know, listen. You know, you see that. He says it all the time. Listen, right? Like, uh, you know, listen up. You know, basically he repeats this a lot as he's teaching. And I always found that interesting. And I'm, as I'm reading a lot of times in, in scripture, I'm like, man, he, I'm probably telling me that too sometimes. Because oftentimes we're reading the word. I'm like, I'm just reading. Cause I'm listen. Oh, I need to listen, you know? And so I would ask you this morning, like, let's listen up. Because I believe that... God is going to speak today. Amen? Amen? And if he doesn't, then we should just all leave right now because I have nothing valuable to tell you. I can tell you a little bit about marriage and about kids and all that, but that's my marriage and my kids. You can probably go screw, up, screw them up on yourself. You, know, you figure out how to, how to mess up because I make my messes, you make yours. You know, there's a lot of things, but aside from God, like what do we really have to teach each other, right? I mean, if God is truth, then we need to be cemented on that. And I really want him to speak today and that the spirit would speak. And so I would ask you, turn off the distractions, turn off your, your, your head, turn off everything else. And let's listen for what God's going to speak, because otherwise this is just wasted time. So I really want to give thanks first off to Stephen for allowing me to speak today. Um, and also I want to thank everyone who sets everything up, guys. There's so much that happens to make this happen. Um, the Stacy's. Um, Brandon's here almost every week. I mean, there's so many servants. Cody's here all the time. There's, I mean, I could go over and over, but Ken's is always serving. There's people who are here early, stay late, and make sure these happen. And I think that's important to recognize that, uh, that they're important and part of this as well. Um, but let's pray real quick, and let's ask God to speak through us, um, th- through me in, in, in this story of Jonah and the whale. And we'll dive into the Word, okay? Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. God, I just ask, Lord, that we would be reminded that we are here to worship a living God. That you are not a statue. That you are not a figment of our imagination. That man did not create you. That you created man. And I pray that we remember, Lord, that you are a living, breathing, jealous God who loves his people. And that there are so many other people in different parts of the world worshiping and praising and giving thanks to this living, teaching loving God this morning. And I thank you that we get to be part of that body, that we find ourselves today in, in, that, in that seeking of your presence, Lord, and looking for you, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that as always, that we would seek you and that we would find you. We love you and we praise you and we ask that you would speak through us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, um, we're going to look at Jonah and the whale. And the text we're going to look at is... In the ESV, it's Jonah 1.17, the last little verse of 1, and I want to read through um, 2.10. Um, the, the, the thing that I really feel like God wants to speak to us as, as we're reading through this, is I really feel like God wants us to learn what it means to live for the will of God. And I really want to challenge you because I used to really not like hearing messages about the will of God. Um, I would always, growing up in the church, get such conflicted views or messages. And oftentimes when I would hear things talk about the will of God, I would personally get discouraged a lot because I always felt like it was just such a confusing thing for me until someone that I really respect really told me, 
You know, you really need to stop looking at the word will and you need to replace it with the word desire. And that really like transformed that kind of, because I don't know, it was always preached as like God's will, you know, and like this big thing. But you can really, and we'll talk a little bit about this because you can really get into talking about God's will and this and that. But we're going to look at it more in the aspect of like God's desire for your life. Okay, God's desire, he obviously has an ultimate will as well and different things like that, but we're going to look at it kind of from that aspect. And I really feel like that that's what we're supposed to learn here in the story of Jonah. So, um, I love doing this in church. Does someone have Jonah one seventeen? and can you read through 2.10? Will someone stand up and, and read aloud, please? Don't be, if someone who's feeling bold and wants to uh, read out scripture, I would love someone to do that. Awesome. That, that's fine. Jonah one seventeen, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish, and he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depths of Sheol. Thou didst hear my voice, for thou hast cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. Thy breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I've been expelled from my sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward the holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Leaves were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. Fear was with its bars was around me forever. But thou hast brought me up to life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remember the Lord. Prayer came to me into my holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to thee with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. Amen. All right, kind of a weird little story there. I remember when uh, Stephen read the little thing on she bears. And it was like a verse, basically, all these, like, these, these kids, these little ruffians, and how these she-bears come out and like, maul them. Um, I was like, Stephen, how are you going to turn that into a message? Like, it was kind of interesting to see how he did that. Um, but this is almost kind of a similar crazy story. I mean, I don't know if you guys are real familiar with Jonah. Some of you guys may not have been a part of that series that Stephen did a year ago or maybe just forgot. This is a very strange text in scripture. It's very kind of weird. I mean, this guy gets swallowed by a whale, right? And I, I kind of want to start right there because if we're real honest, I mean, some of us right now are kind of doubting this, you know? I mean, it's very easy to just like read things, but like, I want to be very clear. Like, could this be true? Because, you know, even if I'm reading it, I don't want to just like, eh, yeah, that's an interesting story. And I think we do that a lot with the Old Testament, but this actually happened. This is historical. And I want to be clear that uh, basically all theologians pretty much agree that this is not hyperbole. This, in fact, did happen. Okay? Um, and that's kind of important because if we don't, if, we, if we're reading it as like a story, it's like a fantasy or a fairy tale or whatnot, it's not going to have the same impact as really understanding that this is true. Matter of fact, Jesus even references this story um, of Jonah, and he even compares it with his death and resurrection in Matthew. When he talks about this generation is not going to be given a sign other than the sign of Jonah, you know, where basically died three days later, rises again, and kind of a parallel that Jesus made there with Jonah. So he even, the Son of God, you know, references this story as truth. So 
Um, I, we don't really have any room to uh, doubt in that aspect. The other thing I found very interesting, because I just simply typed in uh, Google, I was like, could the story of Jonah be true? And some different things pulled up, and I started reading, I was like, wow. So apparently, there's actually two other people in history who've been swallowed by whales. Um, I, I, did, I honestly did not think, I mean, when you read stories in the Old Testament, like someone parting the Red Sea, you're not going to find, oh, yeah, this guy parted this other river or whatever, right? I mean, it's just, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. But, you know, it's, it, honestly, like, it's, there's just some things that take, but this honestly has happened. So it's not that far-fetched. There's one case where the guy basically got swallowed by a well. They were able to trap the well, and they got him out within a few hours, and he survived. The crazy one is in 1891, and you can look this up. This is like, I mean, 1891 is not that long ago. I mean, I know it sounds like it was a long time ago, but, I mean, it's very historical. I mean, people were educated and were writing books, and this was like, we, <laughs> this is very true. A guy named James Bartley uh, was a whaler, and they would go out and capture sperm whales, and uh, they were trying to get one. He falls in the water, and a sperm whale actually swallows him. And uh, the whale actually gets away. The whale gets away, uh, but is, is, is injured pretty badly. The boat goes out the next day, finds the exact same sperm whale. They are able to capture it this time. They pull it up. They open it up, and James Bartley's inside, unconscious but alive. And they were able to revive him back to health, and he lived to tell the story. Okay? So I understand something. This is true, guys. Is it that far-fetched to believe that someone else could have survived three days? This man survived one day in the well, and we know that. And this was just some freak thing that happened. God wasn't, you know, utilizing or purposing this fish. It was just kind of an accident that just happened. This guy just happened to get eaten by a whale, okay? Um, So pretty crazy. So when I read that, I was like, wow, okay, like this has happened to other people. That's interesting, right? Um, But yeah, so we know that God actually purposed this whale. And it may not have been a whale. There's debate on that. The scriptures didn't, you know, back then the classifications of animals were a little different. You know, any any fish was a fish, right? Whether it was a shark, whether it was a a big grouper or uh, a whale. I mean, they didn't really look at it the way that we do. It was some sort of fish. So it was either like a whale shark. I mean, there is evidence that it could have been, you know, a blue whale, just because blue whales did kind of go into the Mediterranean at times. And I kind of looked into that. And there's different thoughts. And, like, it could be a whale shark as well, because whale, whale sharks are really pre- were prevalent, you know, in that area for, for a long time. But regardless, the, 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 the truth is that this did happen. And uh, I think we need to understand that. So we've read the scripture. We know that it did happen. But so what? What are you supposed to learn about that? Because, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not planning on getting swallowed by a whale anytime soon. God's not really, like, calling me to go preach to this crazy pagan city, Nineveh, and, and whatnot. I mean, that's not really what's happening to my life, um, just truthfully. And so I believe that we're supposed to read Scripture because it's alive and it's supposed to change our lives. And we're supposed to figure out what we're supposed to do with it, right? So what are we supposed to learn from all this? Well... I really feel like God pointed out two things to me, and I really want to focus our time looking at these two things. But one is that we need to know God's will for our lives as part of the church. Like, this is not optional, okay? And like I said, you can obviously change the word will and kind of put desire there, um, or, or his plan, or his, his call, or whatever you want. But we need to know God's plan, call, desire for our lives as part of the church. If you profess to be a Christian, 
and you said, I accept Jesus as my Lord, right? That's important. A lot of us can accept Him as Savior, right? Because the Scripture says we need to accept Him as Lord and Savior. We love to skip Lord very quickly, but Lord means that He's now like who I serve, right? I don't serve myself anymore. I, I serve Jesus. I serve God. So I've accepted Him as Lord and Savior, and with that, I can't serve somebody if I don't know what they want. Does that make sense? Like, you really can't serve if you don't know how to serve them. Uh, you're just kind of standing there and you're in the way. So, we need to know God's will, His desire, His plan for our lives as part of the church. It is absolutely essential. You will find yourself very empty if you try to live out your walk with God without a call, a direction, a plan. Um, I think a lot of us have been in those spots, and that's not fun. And number two, I really feel like God wants us to earnestly live for the will that God has given us. Because one thing is knowing it. That part we can get to. The second part is really hard, guys. And I really want us to think about that. Because He wants us to earnestly live for the desire, for the plan, for the call, for the will that God has given us. Amen. So I really want to look at the first part. Let's talk about knowing God's will. Um, I think that, like I told you guys, I've been kind of immersed with a lot of different teachings on this. And you can really get far into it. There's like, you know, there's three wills of God and there's, you know, his ultimate finite will. And then there's like things that he desires, but it's not necessarily like an absolute or whatnot. So I don't really want to get that far into all that, okay? I'm not here to teach you on God's will. That, that would take time. We can look at that later. I really want us to know, very simply, I'm talking about God's kind of personal call, you know, as a body, as a church. I want to talk about God's desire for your life. That's the will that I'm talking about today, okay? So let's be clear on that. And in order to really hear that... Um, you kind of got to be at a place where you're willing to listen, <laughs> right? Um, I think that it's very easy to read the story of Jonah and criticize him. And be like, man, that guy's so stubborn. He's so hard-headed, so dumb. God just like blayed out this thing and he just goes right in the other direction trying to get away, right? If you don't know the story, he gets told to go to Nineveh to preach. He basically says no, goes the opposite direction. God sends this crazy storm. They throw him off the boat. That's when he gets swallowed by the whale, okay? And he gets spit out on the third day. That's what we just read, okay? But it's very easy to criticize Jonah. But I want to say this. Some of us just need to get to the place where we're able to listen. Very easy to criticize Jonah, but at least he was at a place where he could hear God's plan, God's call. If we're real honest, some of us in here today are not even there. We're not even at that spot. We're not even willing to listen to God's call to God's plan for our lives so real easy to criticize Jonah real easy to criticize Jonah but we're we're no better we're the same we are all Jonah's okay um, so let's get there if that's a challenge for you personally or if you feel like that's something you need to do I can't encourage you enough because your faith is not going to be fulfilled you're not really going to see God begin to use you you're not going to get passionate you're not going to get excited about what god's doing until you get to a place where you just go okay i'm gonna, I'm gonna shut everything off god lead me 
direct me. Give, me, give me. give me a direction, give me what you speak. And he will, okay? He will. He'll let you know. Uh, that, that's a great thing to do. The other great thing to do is go to the Word. If you're really struggling with, with kind of figuring out direction and plan all that, go to the Word. The Word is great at doing that to uh, for giving us direction. It's, it's a great tool. There's a reason we encourage everyone to be in their Word continuously, and it's because it helps give you that direction that you, you, you desperately need, right? And so another thing I want to look at when we're talking about knowing God's will is get to a place where we're able to listen, but also um, it's important to know that there's a few things that we always see as a consistency in Scripture, and one of those is that God's will is always united with the church. Always. Like, anytime you see God talk about a plan or a purpose or a calling, it's always united with the church. And what I mean by that is that everyone we see in Scripture, pick out whoever you want, Moses, uh, you know, Abram, uh, David, Paul, Luke, John, whoever you want, their call was always within the church, Right? You know, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've known people who've told me, oh, I feel like God's really calling me to, you know, maybe not, this is maybe a stupid example, but, uh, you know, I feel like God's calling me to open a bakery, okay? And when I hear things like that, I'm like, I, I don't know, really? Because, like, that's weird. Like, God's calls, like, God's, you know, will and calling in, in, in Scripture are always so in line with the church, you know what I mean? Like, that's very strange. Like, why would God do that all of a sudden for you, but we don't ever see that in Scripture, right? Um, now, I feel like God's calling me to be a servant, and I'm going to open a bakery, and I'm going to serve like no other bakery does, and I'm going to do it to glorify God. Hey, that sounds like the type of callings that we see in Scripture. I can believe that. Do you get what I'm saying? So God's will, God's desire, God's plan is always in line with the church. He's done that since Adam and Eve, right? I mean, he, he made us with a purpose, with a plan, with a call, and we're supposed to be united with him. And so his call, his will, is always united with the church. And so if you feel like you've not really understood that or, or you've always been looking for God to tell you what career path you should take, I'm, I, I, I don't want you to get disheartened. I don't want you to get frustrated because you might not. I mean, that's probably not what he's really concerned about. Believe it or not, God doesn't really care if you feel called to be a baker, if you feel called to be a banker, if you feel called to be an entrepreneur or whatever. That's not really how God's calls work. Like God, ultimately, his desire is to see the church grow. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't live out your calling and be a banker, be, a, in Paul's case, a tent maker, or be a carpenter in Jesus' case, or be, I mean, God utilizes all those things, guys. But ultimately, that's not what God's battle is. He's not, that's not the victory he's talking about, and that's not what you were made for, okay? And so, God's will is always united with the church. And the scripture is very clear about this. I, I, I can't uh, reference that enough. I want to look at 1 Corinthians. Um, if someone else can pull this up and, and be bold and, and, and speak this, I'd appreciate that too. But it's 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 13. Will someone stand up and read that out loud, please? 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 13. Whoever. Awesome. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be unequal. You know that when you were pagan, you were led astray to the idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is a person. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. 
Now there are varieties of gifts of the same spirit, and there are varieties of service of the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but for the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing say, by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one, and he has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. This there is good, please. Thank you. So, I mean, this is a very famous portion of Scripture. You've probably heard people teach about this. We're all members. You know, we all play different roles of the, of the body and this and this and that. But I want you to understand that the call is for the church. Like, he has different gifts, different... And it's always been this way. In the Old Testament, it was for the people, the people of God, the people of Israel, because there was no church at that point in time. God's call was for the people. And so he would raise someone up, and their calling was to be a prophet for the people. Their calling was to be a teacher for the people. Their calling was to be a preacher for the people. Their calling was to be, or whatever you might you know, want to put in there. Um, some people's calling was just to be very faithful to the Lord and, and obey the scriptures and you know all kinds of callings for the people of God. Then Jesus dies, rises again, and now we're the church. Amen? Like now it's no longer Jew nor Gentile. It's anyone who professes faith in Christ is now part of the church. And so the callings are for the church. It's for uh, 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 unity with, with the church. And so God always commands, you know, you're going to be now a teacher. You're going to be, uh, you're going to prophesy. You're going to heal. You're going to, and we see these different calls that God gives to people, these different wills that he has. And it says very clearly in verse 11, it says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, or Trinity of God. It's God, okay? Who apportions to each one individually as He wills, as He desires. So it's not based on what you want, right? It's how, what He wants, right? The Spirit is going to give someone teaching, gives them you know, utterance of wisdom and all these different gifts and wonderful things according to how the Holy Spirit desires, according to how God wills, how He wants it to be. And so, I think it's really important to know that His call, His desire, is always going to be in line with the church. It's always going to be something that is done through the church, okay? Um, and I also want to talk about knowing God's will in this aspect. So we know that we have to be at a place to listen. We know that his, his will is always going to be aligned with the church. His desire is going to be aligned through there as part of the church, as part of the body, right? The other thing I want to talk about is that God's will is not mysterious. So when you're trying to know God's will, understand this. It's not mysterious. I oftentimes, when I was younger, um, talk people and like, ah, oh, you figured out God's will for your life yet? It's a common question. I don't know if you guys have encountered this, but... Have you figured out, you know, what God was calling you to do, right? 
And it always like burdened me because I felt like it was like this thing I had to like go and like find and had this like crazy revelation and like I really did. Like I thought it was going to be like this, the will of God, right, for my life. Like I honestly like, I mean, just truthfully, it burdened me because I felt like it was not just like that thing. You know, I I never had, I don't know about you guys, but I never had that. I never had this like smoke and clouds and like this revelation of this mysterious thing. You know why? Because as you read scripture, God's desire and will for your life is so ridiculously clear, it's almost foolish to think that it's hidden. It's almost foolish to think that it's hidden. Okay? His will for you as a Christian, as a believer, as part of the church of God, is very, 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 very clear. It is not something that's hidden that you have to miraculously find. So if you feel like you're struggling with that, or if you feel like you've been at a place where like, I'm trying to discover God's will for my life, let me encourage you and let you know that it's very clear in Scripture. There's a lot of places in the Word of God where you will have that peace you're looking for. Uh, now, be aware that it can sometimes be a difficult pill to swallow, right? Because <laughs> knowing it and living for it, like we're going to talk about soon, are two very different things. And so I want to look at one place, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 22. It's first Thessalonians. Someone else can stand up and read that as well. I would really appreciate it. First Thessalonians five, twelve through twenty-two. Whoever's feeling bold, read it. Yeah, of course you can. Yes, you brothers. Respect those who labor among you, who are over you in the Lord and much, and to esteem them very highly in love with their work. You have peace among yourselves and encourage yourselves. Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with the mad, with no one who pays anyone with evil for evil, but always seek to be good to one another and to others. Of course, always pray to God's name. Give thanks and also be in Christ Jesus, do not punish the spirit, do not despise prophecy, test everything, hold fast to what is good, stand in everything. Pretty, pretty laid out, right? I mean, he basically straight up says. If you, if you caught that in the middle of all there, he goes, uh, "Give thanks in all in eighteen. Give thanks in all circumstances." And that's not the only thing, by the way. That's kind of a semicolon, so it's like everything before that, not just the giving thanks part. But for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pretty, pretty, pretty plain. That's not hidden at all. I think that's very easy for us to understand. I mean, uh, it's pretty clear. I think the scripture lays it out there in a way that it's hard to argue with. Um, he basically exactly lays out how he desires his church to conduct themselves, to be. To abstain from all evil, you know, to love another, to pray without ceasing, <laughs> to give things in all circumstances. Like I told you guys, I mean, his will is very clear. The problem is it's a very hard pill to swallow. It's very hard to live for that will. Very easy to understand it. Knowing God's will is one part. Jonah knew God's will. There's a reason he went, oh, that's God's will? And, Right? And if we were honest, some of us read that right there and we become Jonah. Some of us read that and go, that's God's will? (laughs) Pray without ceasing? 
More like Facebook without ceasing, right? Give thanks in all circumstances. God, do you know what I'm going through? Are you crazy? I mean, some of these things are so difficult to swallow. I mean, you know, do not despise prophecies. American church hates prophecy. We do not like people to prophesy. You're a weirdo. Stop that. Don't prophesy. Don't get that spiritual stuff in here. Don't you dare pray for healing. Our God, no, no, no. Don't you raise your hands in worship. Don't get all weird up in here. Our God's not spiritual. We see Him. It's not a spiritual thing. Uh, we, we, we love doing this in, in, in church a lot of times. We're afraid of it. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Whew. I know we don't do that. We don't do that. We become Jonah. That's God's will. Oh, it's very clear, guys. It's not hidden. It's not a rabbit hole. It's not a big thing that you have to discover, some miraculous thing that God's going to go, poof, this is my will for your life. No, it's very clear in Scripture what He wants. The problem is, is that it can be very difficult to swallow. There's another example of this, the Great Commission. Right? This is Matthew 28, 18-20. You don't need to go through there. You guys know the Great Commission. is Jesus basically telling us to go out in all the nations, you know, baptizing everyone in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? We had some baptisms last week. It was amazing. Right? It's amazing to see this in action. Right? That's a very clear calling that Jesus lays on His church, though. We all here have that calling. Everyone. All of us. If you're not familiar with the Great Commission... Go and read it. That's what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be going out into all nations, into your workplace, into your home, into other people's homes. You're supposed to be doing this. All of us. It's not just for pastors or people who aren't busy or whatever, right? I mean, seriously. This is what we're all supposed to do. Okay? And this is the words of Jesus, the Son of God, who declares this, right? And again, the will of God, the desire He has for your life is clear. Very, 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 very clear. The problem is, we don't necessarily want to submit to it. That's just the truth. It's not that we don't know His will, because now we know it. If you didn't before, now you do. It's very clear. And there's other places in Scripture that you can look at, but... I mean, I, I hope you understand that God's word is true, doesn't contradict itself, and you're seeing here very clearly laid out in a few examples, but God's will is very clear. The problem isn't that you don't know it. The problem is, is that like Jonah, we are unwilling to submit to it. We are unwilling to live out His will. So, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about just my life and things that God's allowed me to be a part of and see, but... I'm a really, really big lover of discipleship, guys. I love discipleship. I love it and hate it. It's kind of this weird thing. Because, like, discipleship is really, 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 really awesome. It's how you grow, but it's also really, really painful, and it's how you hurt in the church. Um, There's so many people who I've discipled over the years who I've seen God do amazing things through and seen amazing transformation. And there's been other people that I've seen just completely turn away from God, completely go the opposite direction, and now live lives that you're just like, wow, like, it just hurts me to... To think about. And it's always these Jonah moments. And everyone that I've ever discipled, it always is these Jonah moments. And what I mean by that is that God lays out 
a call, a will, a plan. And they have the decision to either obey or go, huh, and walk away. And go the opposite direction. And I've seen this time and time again. We've had couples, marriages, they would come to us. And the funny thing is that they always know, they always know what God wants from them. That was never an issue, and it hasn't been. Marriage will come and having lots of problems, you know, potentially going to get divorced, yada, yada, yada. There's crying, there's teaching through the word, and then there's prayer, and then they come out and say, hey, um, we know this is what God wants. We know that we're supposed to do this, we're supposed to forgive this, we're supposed to do this or that, and we go, great, let's do that. Let me, let, let's walk you through that, and this and that, and all of a sudden, no, you know what, we don't, we don't want to do that. And unfortunately, we've had couples that are no longer together, you know, marriages that divorce or split up. Um, you know that, that we've discipled. We uh, we've had another marriage that very similarly was having a lot of issues, and they knew that they had never really read the scriptures on marriage, and they knew that they weren't really living out the proper roles of a biblical marriage, and they knew that God was telling them that they knew it, and they knew it was, was causing problems. In this particular marriage, the woman was behaving much more like the head figure, much more like the man's role. And the man was behaving much more in, in, in the woman's role of marriage. Um, and it was causing so many problems in their marriage. It was bad. And we offered. We said, hey, we'll, we'll walk through Scripture with you. We'll, we'll disciple you. We're going to do this, and we'll commit to it. And we would connect and wait, and nothing. Crickets. And lo and behold, months later, it's just, you know, it, it's rolled into a, a big mess. They're still together, but doing very poorly. Doing very poorly. Um, and even just recently, I had someone in our community group who came up to me and was like, I know that God is telling me to do this. <laughs> I know it. God's telling me that I need to do this. I need to finally do this, and I need to forgive this person. All right. Amen. If you know that's what God wants from you, if you know that's what he's calling you to do, then let me encourage you. Let's pray. Let's do this. When is that opportunity going to arise? Uh, Monday. I'll have that opportunity. Okay, great. So then I'll, I'll call you Tuesday and, and see, you know, what happened. And so we call Tuesday. Say, How did it go? I didn't do it. Why not? I don't know, but now I feel really, really guilty about it because I feel God's told me that might have been my last opportunity to forgive that person. Whoa. Crazy. Right? So there's times where, like, we know what God wills. We know what God desires. We know what he wants. But we have those Jonah moments. We have those Ninevehs, right, where we can either obey or walk away, right? And... I don't know. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I want to be in a place where I'm willing to obey. I want to be in a place where if God speaks something to my heart, I want to obey. I want to go after the things that he desires because he knows better than me. He knows way better than me. He knows better than any of us in here. But so many of us struggle with that. We struggle with our Ninevehs. Some of you in here have that specific scenario. You have right now, and you might be thinking about it right now, I don't know, but you might be thinking of that person, that father, that spouse, that son, that material thing, maybe it's money, maybe it's uh, something, maybe it's a very specific thing that God is telling you to do. You know what your Nineveh is. 
and you're either going to stand up and obey or say, no, I want to do what I want to do. I want to live for my desires. I want to live for my will. We're all at crossroads in that aspect. It happens all the time. And it's very easy to criticize Jonah, right? And say, hey, look, God clearly just told you exactly what to do. And he just stood up and went, nope, I'm not willing to do that. However, we do that all the time. We do that all the time. And we walk away from our Ninevehs. And I think it's important to know that God wants us to obey, but he don't make you obey. He won't make you obey. We're talking about God's will, and it's not. It's going to be done. You know, God, at the end of this, all of us bow. At the end of this, we all face judgment. You are aware. I mean, you can walk if you want that direction. God may or may not send a whale. Who knows? I don't know. But at the end of it, you will lose. At the end of it, you, you, you will lose. I, I promise you that. It's important to be part of victory. It's important to be on the victorious side. We want to be on the side that wins. But when God presents an of us to our life, we either obey or we walk away. You either forgive that person or you walk away. You either give up that material thing or you walk away. Or you either go where he's telling you to go or you don't, right? I mean, very, very, very simple. Very simple. But like Jonah... Oftentimes, we're choosing to walk in the opposite direction. I can remember personally a couple times in my life where I had to face my Ninevehs. I had some Ninevehs in my life. And even to this day, I mean, sometimes they're smaller things. Oh, my bad. (laughs) Mike's on my head. Uh, I remember having some Ninevehs. One of those was very, very, very hard for me. I, uh, I went to Bible college. I was young. I was really wanting to serve God. And God was really... Uh, dissecting my heart, pulling out all these pride issues, pulling out all these authority issues that I had. I was not uh, in a good place in, in that aspect. And I remember um, one of my first Ninevehs was, was God. You know, I really wanted to grow. I really wanted to serve God. I wanted God to pour out more gifts upon my life. And I remember God just putting it so hard on my heart. And I share this with you because it's real. Okay, God told me really strongly, you need to go forgive your dad. <laughs> that was hard. I don't know about you guys, but I was a knucklehead when I was a teenager. I was, I was rebellious. I was stupid. And uh, um, did a lot of bad things and things I'm not proud of. Um, and I have great parents. They're here today. Um, I love my parents. I love my dad. He's an amazing man of God. It's not like he abused me or things like that and I say that because some of you may have things like that right I'm not trying to make light of it but for me it was heavy though because I didn't have a relationship with my dad when I was that age we didn't really talk I mean I I literally like I I wanted nothing to know about him I I wanted to be as far away from him as possible right like Jonah I want to be as far away from Nineveh as possible I really was struggling with my relationship with my father and God went right to that and said you want to grow you want me to pour out some things upon you? You want to live out the mighty works that I can put in your life? You need to go forgive your dad. 
And oh man, that irritated me. I was like 19. I was just like, mm. I was like, no, like, tell me to do something else. You know, <laughs> like, I'm not, I don't want to do that. I really don't want to do that. And it finally just became this thing that like, I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake it. And finally, I remember calling up my dad and I said, hey, we need to talk. We need to talk. We need to talk, talk. Like, you know, we need to like go meet up and, and have a conversation. And and we did, and we had a really, really real conversation. And I told him, like, you know, these things happen in my life, and I've been holding on to them, and this and this and that, but, you know, I'm just letting you know right now, like, I'm, that's done. Like, and I want our relationship to, from here on out, get better, grow. I want to get to know my dad, because I feel like I don't even know who you are, you know, and all these different things. And uh, praise God for that, because... You know, my, my father is not just my dad. He's like my friend now. I, I confide a lot of things in him. Um, we encourage each other a lot. I mean, God had a purpose in that. It's really been a blessing. And now my wife and him have an amazing relationship. There's a lot of uh, love. There's a lot of... It's just a beautiful thing, honestly. I have complete peace. God totally restored that part of our family. And I can't imagine what would have happened or the, the, the next phases of my life would have looked completely different, guys, if I hadn't have done it. And I know that. I know that. And so I'm thankful that I made that decision. I also remember one of my Ninevehs shortly after that uh, was money. I had worked since I was about 14. I had always been, you know, I want to work. I want to pay my own bills. You know, like I said, I want to get far away from my dad, right? So I'm going to go rent. I'm going to go do my own thing. Like, I don't need you guys. And I was really, you know, kind of in love with my ability to make and sustain money and do these things. And then all of a sudden I was in situations where I was like, I was having to ask for like gas money. And some of you guys, this is like normal, but like that like really irritated me. Like I would have rather, yeah, I mean, it was not fun. And God really had to humble me in that aspect. He said, you love money. I want you to give everything to me. And I said, Whoa. And I remember I was in Bible college. I was about to get kicked out because I couldn't pay my tuition anymore. They were like, oh, we've let you kind of drag this on for like two months. You owe from like two months back. I'm like, yeah, I know. (laughs) Uh, And I had this vehicle, my first car ever. It was a 77 Ford Ranchero. It was kind of like an El Camino, if you're not aware of what they are. Anyways, yes, I rocked an El Camino. That was my first. It was a Ranchero, okay. But uh, that was me. I was that guy in high school. So I rocked that thing around, and I loved that car. That car was really, really important to me. Growing up, it was like the only time I ever really spent with my dad was when we were working on that vehicle, changing out the water pump, changing out spark plugs, doing different things. And so it was a really, really important vehicle to me. And uh, I remember God was like, "You you need to sell that. You need to give it up. And I was like, no, you crazy? And I didn't even drive that thing. It was just parked. Like, it was just, I had a different vehicle at the time, but uh, something that didn't get eight miles to the gallon. But um, <clears throat> anyways, but that was painful. That was my Nineveh. I literally posted it for sale. I couldn't sell the darn thing. I couldn't get anybody to buy it. I mean, I was desperate. I, I even remember lowering the price like 1200 bucks, what I thought was a steal. It's like, how's no one calling? I had sold a Jetta that had gotten wrecked. It was all jacked up, and someone bought it the same day. I was like, well, what the heck? Like, I can't sell this thing? Like, this is crazy. And I remember it was Sunday, and they told me, if you don't have your money by tomorrow, you're out. And I remember being in the stairwell crying. And I told God, I was like, I've given you everything. I gave you the Ranchero. It's there. It's for sale. No one's buying it. That ain't my fault. You told me to sell it. I'm trying to sell it. 
I went and put for sale. I parked it in front of an HEB. I had it posted on uh, Craigslist. And, and that night I got a call and I don't know, God miraculously provided, long story short. Somebody, to this day I don't know who, but somebody donated money to me. Um, and it was an amazing thing. And I, I cried and I learned a lot. You know, that was one of my Ninevehs uh, was at Crossroads because it was really hard. I didn't want to do that. I really didn't, honestly, guys. Um, later in life, another Nineveh was myself. I had just gotten married. Um, I had uh, kind of really high expectations for myself in marriage. I wanted to be the perfect husband. I wanted my wife to be perfect. You know, we couldn't be, you know, everything had to be perfect. And I had these crazy dreams. Every other day I had a new business plan and I was going to buy a house here and then make tons of money and do this and that and this and that. Like every day. And it became like this obsession. And I had all these ideas, all these things, all these. My poor wife, I mean, every day had to listen to some stupid new idea that I had where I was going to somehow, you know, make us this amazing, you know, couple, this amazing it got worse when she got pregnant because then I was like, oh, now I'm going to have this kid and we're going to do all these things. And I remember God telling me, like, you just need to, you just need to give yourself up. Like, you, you need to stop. Like, you need to stop. You need to stop. You need to throw away everything you think you can do because you can't do any of it if I say no. I said, whoa. <laughs> all right. But I'm really creative, God, and I'll work really hard. Don't matter. If I don't want it to happen, you won't get it. You won't make it. You'll suffer. And my Nineveh was either, okay, I either submit to what God wants for my life, or I keep fantasizing all these different things here. And that became my Nineveh, and it was hard. I remember crying out to God in the middle of the night, and I remember crying with my wife and saying, you know, I'm sorry, like, all these pressures that we keep putting on each other. Like, we had these stupid, unrealistic expectations of each other when we're going to fail each other. We just are. And that's okay, because God won't fail us, right? And coming to that realization, that peace, I mean, that transformed my marriage. I can't imagine living that now with three kids. Are you kidding me? Oh, my gosh. It was, it was like such a burden then. Um, maybe some of you guys who are newly married or, or walked through that maybe went through something like that. But for me, it was definitely Nineveh, and I had to give up myself. I had to put myself out the way. But those are some of the ones for my life personally. But like Jonah, um, you know, God presents these Ninevehs to our life, and we know what they are. Okay? We know what they are. It's clear. His will, his desire is clear. But we will either submit willingly or unwillingly. Either way, God's will is going to be done, right? Amen? He gets the victory. We either get to be a part of it or we don't. And we see that. And I think that's what we're supposed to learn in this story. It's so short. But God just briefly lets us see, like, guys, God's like, I'm in control. I'm going to make it happen. It's going to be for my glory. And I'm inviting you to either be a part of it and, and get to reap those benefits and watch that and be a part of my mighty works. Or you get to be a stubborn, little, prideful, you know, jerk like Jonah and go, ah, no, nah, I'm going to go do my own thing, right? Unfortunately, guys, if we were honest, so many of us are in that spot. 
We're in that spot. And God really wants us to hear today that he wants us to be in the spot where we're willing to obey. We're willing to go face our Ninevehs today. Amen? Let's look at the story of Jonah. And let's see the two reactions he has. Because there's so, it's four chapters, but it's just crazy how you can just see how Jonah reacts. One of those is Jonah 1, 1 through 3. Right at the beginning of the book of Jonah, we see exactly the first reaction. And it's kind of comical. So this is Jonah 1, 1 through 3. I'll read it this time, okay? Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So his reaction is he hears this and he just completely walks in the opposite direction, right? If you look on a map, Nineveh is here, Tarshish is here. He goes, instead of this way, he goes complete opposite direction. Not only complete opposite direction, but Tarshish is basically as far away as he could get. It was like the furthest away city um, from Nineveh at that time. Um, And it's almost comical because God's call in this, guys, is so clear. Wouldn't you guys love to have something like that? I mean, I look at other ones in the scripture, and it's like, like Abram, right? God's like... Arise, leave your home, and go to where I'm going to show you. What? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll show you. Okay. East? Was west good? North? No, just go. Okay. Some of us get those types of callings. It's not so clear. It's not so direct. Right? We have uh, Moses. Walk through the desert. Find the promised land. Where? That way. <laughs> okay, we've been walking for a really long time, God. I mean, is uh, is it here? I mean, you see that big city over there, Jericho? Yeah, walk through that. Well, why can't we just go around? I mean, we're walking through the desert. Like, what? That's obviously not the promised land. Why do I need to go there? I mean, all these weird, weird kind of calls that God does, right? And then here we have Jonah. He gets such a direct call such a direct will direct desire i mean oftentimes we pray to have moments like this we don't get them all the time though right i can remember a few times that god's done this in my life where it was just like hey you know one of them being go to mexico I'm thankful for that one got my wife and now three kids it was god's will it was god's call and i had to obey and i went all right another one of my ninevehs and thankful that I was obedient in that one. Um, but here we have Jonah and, jo- and, and, and Jesus. Uh, well, not Jesus, but God clearly says, uh, so clearly, you know, go here, do this at this time, you know, now. And, it's, and so when you see how direct it is, it's almost comical, his reaction. I mean, he, he completely goes in the opposite direction. And some of us have, like, struggled, like, well, if God would just speak to me clearly, well, then I would obey. I would go. Well, really? Because you probably wouldn't. <laughs> you know? If God just, like, if he just said to me, like, oh, do this. Your call is to go here and to do that and to preach to these people. Then I would be totally gone home. But I just feel like God's not really speaking to me. 
Well, probably because you're not ready to listen or you're not in a place where you're actually looking to listen because you know you wouldn't go. You know you wouldn't give it all up and submit to his will. But here we see Jonah says, no, I'm not going to go preach to those people. Those people have you know, been heathens. He's basically unforgiveness and pride. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh because you guys don't really know the story of Jonah. I'll just briefly get into it, but Nineveh was basically enemies with, with where he was from. They had been killing a lot of the people from the towns and the places that he would have grown up in. It was basically a, a, a really bad people. They were, they were very barbaric. They were very gross. I mean, they'd stick heads on, like, posts and do, like... I mean, it's, it's not a place you'd want to go, all right? It'd be like God calling you to, I don't know, Syria, you know? Go, go preach in Syria. Go preach to the ISIS. And they'd be like, no! They kill Christians. Well, yeah, go. I want to I wanna redeem them. I want to save them. I want them to know me. Nah. And that's what I mean. I mean, often they say, well, God spoke very clearly, I'd obey. Well, that's very easy for you to say. But God's God, and you don't know what he's going to tell you to do, right? And here we see that reaction. And because of his disobedience, he actually finds himself an enemy to God. And when I was kind of talking with uh, Stephen about Jonah and, and this and that, he told me, he's like, yeah, you know, when you read the story of Jonah, it's crazy because the storm and the whale are basically like God's mercy. And I was like, man, this is true. It really is. Because some of us have disobeyed and we didn't get a whale. We didn't get a whale. Some of us made it to Tarshish and were miserable. Right? You ever been in a season in your life you were just like, God just let you get to where you wanted to go? And you were just miserable? Sometimes he interferes. Sometimes whales come in. Sometimes it's not a whale. Sometimes it's a person or a pastor. Or, or sometimes God sends things that kind of block you from your path of disobedience, right? To kind of interfere, to kind of bring you back, to kind of humble you. That doesn't happen all the time, though. We don't all get whales. Let's be clear on that. Don't think that if I disobey, God's going to send some, you know, something's going to come rescue me. Something's going to come get me back on the path that I should be on. And that's not going to happen. Not always. Sometimes you're just going to be miserable. And so we see that he unwillingly doesn't want to submit to God's call, to God's desire. And he finds himself enemy to God. God sends a storm. They freak out on the boat. They kick him off the boat. He gets swallowed up by this whale. And he lives in this whale for three days, and he finally calls out. He repents. He basically asks God to use him again. That he's now ready. And we read through that in the beginning. And then we see Jonah 3. We'll read that real quick, but it's very funny. Basically the exact same story, just different reaction. Jonah 3, we're going to read 1 through 5. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. So this is the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Kind of interesting that he had to spend three days in the whale, but the journey was also three days. Kind of found that kind of funny. But anyways, um, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, 
and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And then we see that even the king repents and the whole city is really transformed. I mean, this barbaric, disgusting, just very sinful city where they practice a lot of just really, really bad things is transformed. Jonah comes, obeys. His reaction is to completely just submit it all and walk, right? This time he goes right towards Nineveh. He doesn't hesitate. Same exact story, complete different reaction. And uh, God tells him a second time, arise, go to Nineveh. And then in three it says, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. He went to go face his Nineveh. He didn't complain. He didn't whine. He didn't ask for more of an explanation. He just said, okay, I disobeyed first time. I understand. I've got to do your will. And this time he willingly goes. Now, I want to be clear. If you continue to read Jonah, you're going to find that he does it, but he's still kind of struggling and understanding why God wants this to be done. But understand this. Jonah was obedient. Finally he was. The first time he wasn't. God showed him some mercy, and the second time he was. But he was still kind of frustrated with God because he didn't understand why God was willing to forgive these people. But that doesn't matter. God still used him because he was still obedient. There's going to be times where you're going to go to your Nineveh unwilling, like willingly you're going, but in your heart you're kind of like, why are you doing this, God? You know, I would compare it to, like I told you, the story of my dad, right? I didn't want to go forgive my dad. I didn't, I didn't want to do that, right? I didn't want to uh, do a lot of the things that God called me to do. You know, Jonah does it. He submits his flesh to do it. That doesn't mean that he necessarily wanted to do it. Does that make sense? And he's, we see that because when the city is transformed and they repent, and Jonah gets angry and he's like, see, I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to forgive these people because you're, you're such a merciful, gracious God. That's who you are. Look, look, you, you sent a whale to teach me a lesson, you know. You're so merciful and gracious, but I, I, why are you doing that? Let them be given up to their sins. Like, why are you forgiving them, right? And then God kind of teaches them a little bit of a lesson on on that, on creation and how really he's in control and, you know, and he loves all people, whether they're sinful or not, right? We see that even with Jesus. Jesus came and died for sinners and, and uh, obedient followers alike, right? He didn't judge um, in that question, in that regard. And I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I really want you to understand that you're going to be presented with options in your life. You're going to be presented with some Ninevehs. And what we're really supposed to see from this is that we can either do these things willingly, guys, or we can do them unwillingly. God's will is going to be done. If he wants to redeem that Nineveh, if he wants to lead them to repentance, it's going to happen. He doesn't need you. What if Jonah had said no again? What if, he, what if, what if Jonah was like, no, I'm, I'm done? What would have happened? I think God would have found someone else. I really do. I believe that. Because God clearly wanted to go to these people he presented the opportunity to Jonah but Jonah's not the only person who's willing to obey to God or listen to God's commands right so I think the, the ultimate will of God would have been done his desire would have been accomplished it just wouldn't have involved Jonah and we wouldn't be reading the life of Jonah today he wouldn't be part of scripture today he would have missed out on an amazing wonderful work that God had for him Right Here we are still talking about his life. Oftentimes he's remembered for the wrong thing. Oftentimes Jonah's ridiculed for his pride and how stubborn he was. But honestly, guys, we're all Jonah's in here. 
I mean, a lot of us are really struggling to face our Nineveh. And I really think, I really think that if we were honest, if we were honest, being a Christian, being a Christ follower, we want to be used for a mighty work, right? I don't know about you guys, but I do. Do any of you guys want to be used for a mighty work? Because I really do, guys. I'm serious. I want to see God be used in a mighty way. That's what I know Stephen believes that for this church. I know the leadership believes that for this church. We pray for this church. We believe that God wants to do a mighty work. Right? Is Austin so different from Nineveh? Hmm. Debatable. <laughs> in some ways, yes, thankfully. <laughs> um, but the point being is that we believe that God is capable of mighty works. Now, is he going to use Austin Chapel? Well, that's up to us. We'll either be a part of it or we'll miss out entirely. You're either going to jump in and be part of God's plan, God's desire, or you're just going to miss out. It's just that simple. Either way, God's going to win. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, he's going to win. No one's ever stood up to him and won. That's not an argument you're going to win. He's not going to have it. Um... But he gives us that option. He gives us free will. And we often talk about free will and what that means, this and that. But honestly, it's just very simple. You're either going to be a part of what God's doing or not. And I want to be part of a mighty work, and I hope that you guys do too. I really sincerely do. But you will never be part of a mighty work if you're not willing to go face your Nineveh. Whatever that might be today. I don't know what it is. You know what it is. Like I told you, there may be someone you need to go forgive. There may be a situation or something you're supposed to give up. It might be yourself. But at the end of the day, if something you're submitted more to that than submitted to the will and the call of God, that's your Nineveh. That's what's in the way. And it needs to be removed. It needs to be replaced. Right? A couple thoughts before we close up. But I don't know. As I was reading this, I was like, God, like what, what can we really learn through this? And one thing that I really was impacted by is that Jonah had to be swallowed up by a whale before he would swallow up his pride. Amen. Let's not wait for God to have to send a whale. You know what I mean? I mean, some of you guys might be there. If we're real, like, real, real honest right now, some of you guys feel like you're being swallowed up by your situation. Some of you feel like you're being swallowed up by your sin. Some of you guys feel like you're being swallowed up by, by something. A sickness, a disease, an addiction an unforgiveness, thought, I mean, whatever. I don't know. But Jonah had to be swallowed up by a whale before he would swallow up his pride. Pride keeps us from submitting to the will of God. And God loves to expose pride in your life. Because you can't obey two masters, right? You can't live for two masters. Right? You are be very clear on that. Let's not wait for God to send whales. I don't know about you guys, but I I want to get to a place where I can clearly hear the word of God and not be prideful when he speaks. And not immediately think, well, okay, that's interesting, God, but what do I want to do? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. God, if you don't want me to be successful, if you do want me to be successful, if you want me to have this, if you don't want me to have it, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, God, I want to glorify you. I want to live for you, your call, your purpose, what you have for us. Even Jesus came and humbled himself. Even he came and said, I'm here to do what God the Father 
tells me to do, shows me to do, leads me to do. That's how we're supposed to live. Right? That's what He wants us to do. The other thing with that is that we all know we have Ninevehs, but are you going to willingly or unwillingly face your Nineveh? Because you're going to have to at some point. But I hope that we understand that we need to choose to willingly face our Nineveh. Either way, God is going to accomplish what He desires. But we have free will and we get a pick. We get a pick, guys. Right here today. Don't wait. This is very clear. This is real talk. I told you guys to listen. We get a pick today. Are you going to be a part of it or not? It's up to you. God's going to do it. If you're doubting that, you haven't believed in the big enough God. God's going to do it. But you're either going to be part of it or not. And if you feel like you're missing out on something in your relationship or in your walk with the Lord, if you feel like you're missing out, it's because you are. It's because you are and you're choosing to miss out. You are choosing to miss out. Let's face our Ninevehs willingly. If God has put something in your heart and you know that He told you, you know that He wants you to give that up, to go forgive this person, to go to this place and ask for forgiveness, to go and preach to your family back home, to go and do this or that or stand up for your faith at work or whatever it is, God does speak, amen? Am I talking about a God that doesn't speak or does God speak to you guys? Because He speaks to me. Like I said, He's not a statue. He's not a figment of our imagination. God is a living, jealous, powerful God. And He speaks and He's speaking today. I believe that 100%. And I know that some of you guys need to go face your Ninevehs. This time, Austin Chapel is going to be impactful in this city and going to grow. But we have to face our Ninevehs. Amen? So with that, I just want to close in prayer, guys. I really hope that you're not discouraged by this. I hope you're encouraged because God's strengthening you and He's going to use you to do it. And you're going to be a part of it. And at the end of the day, we're on the side of victory. Amen? So let's pray, guys. And let's just pray that uh, God would just lead us and that we would be obedient. Father God, I thank You, Lord, for this time. I thank You, Lord, for just uh, this this. Just this word, Father, I know that it's hard to swallow. I know it's difficult, Lord, to uh, really face our flesh and recognize that perhaps we're not submitting ourselves to you, Father. That perhaps we're actually walking in the opposite direction of what you want from us. Some of us might be there. Father, and I just ask you, Lord, that we would not wait for a whale to have to come or not wait until we're miserable and Tarshish. I pray that we would swallow up our pride now that we wouldn't wait, that we would do it now, that we would swallow up our pride and go face Nineveh, that we would go face it because you're in that direction. You are not in Tarshish. You are in Nineveh. And we want to be a part of a mighty work. We have to go to where you are. We have to go where you're leading, Father. And I pray that by your spirit, Lord, that you would lead us as your church. I know that there are people, Lord, in this room, Father, that you're calling, Lord, to swallow up the pride. Pick some things up, turn around, and go face in Nineveh. And you're going to do a mighty work. There's going to be some amazing testimonies in this room. I believe that, Father. I thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name.